Free agency's almost here, and the Rockets might have a plan to get themselves Jimmy Butler. And we dive into the Kyrie Irving to Brooklyn Nets saga. And a plan for Kevin Durant to leave the Warriors, but still help them rebuild, get them back to prominence. It's the Wednesday Locked On NBA podcast. Let's go. You are locked on the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Middle of the week, we're going to help you get over that hump. The Wednesday Locked On NBA, and as usual, as opposed to the past couple of weeks when we've done special programming, but back to the usual grind. It's me, John Corrales, of the Locked On Celtics podcast. I cover the Celtics for MassLive.com. You can find me on Twitter at RedsArmy underscore John. And I'm Jake Madison, host of the Zion Williamson podcast, actually actually Locked On Pelicans, and you can follow me on Twitter at Nola Jake. No, I like that, Locked On Zion. It's probably more accurate right now. Yeah, that's basically all it's been for a couple of weeks now, which you know what? After the season, the Pels had totally cool with it. Yeah, yeah you are being rewarded, my friend. It's, <laughs> yeah, uh... I deserve this. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I don't. This will be a Zion-free podcast, one of the few, uh, because once Summer League kicks in, oh, man, it's going to be all Zion all the time. It's going to be fun. <laughs> It'll kick it up a little bit. Yeah, it's free agency time, though. This is what we're focusing on today. That's right. So we're going to talk a lot about free agency. I want to remind everybody who is not a subscriber, if you're coming over from one of our podcasts, our individual team podcasts, go ahead and subscribe to Lock.NBA wherever podcasts exist, Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Himalaya. They exist everywhere. And, of course, we always enjoy reading your good reviews and seeing those five-star ratings. Let's dive into... Number one here on the list, ESPN reporting on Tuesday that the Houston Rockets have a plan to get themselves Jimmy Butler without having the cap space to sign Jimmy Butler. And it requires a sign and trade with the Philadelphia 76ers. So it would go like this. They convinced Jimmy Butler to go back to Philly and say, I don't want to play here anymore. And I am going to leave and go to another team, and you'll lose me for nothing. Or you can trade me to the Houston Rockets and get in return something. And that something will probably be Eric Gordon, Clint Capella, P.J. Tucker, some combination of those players, as reported by ESPN. Probably, I think, financially would have to be Capella and Gordon. So, Jake, what do you think? Capella, Gordon, for Jimmy Butler, just on the surface in that situation, you think that's a move that Philly would do? Yeah, so so there is a lot to unpack here with this potential scenario. But if you're Philly, they're going to lose Jimmy Butler, and they're likely going to be over the cap, say they re-signed Tobias Harris. You know, getting a good shooter in Eric Gordon is not a bad deal here and getting Clint Capella who can step into that center spot when Joel Embiid almost inevitably goes down also not a bad consolation and if you're them would you just want to do this trade anyway even if it's like with even if Jimmy Butler was under contract for you um I, if I was Philly uh, yeah I, I don't it, it falls under the you might as well get something rather yeah than I get nothing. you uh and the biggest, the, the reason why Philly would do this, I think, is because they, their biggest weakness has been their bench 
and you put Capella behind Embiid, and you put Gordon on the bench, or depending on what happens with J.J. Redick, maybe you start. I was going to say, that's a big part of it, too, though, is if they lose him. Eric Gordon's, you know, not the most amazing player, but he can drain some threes for you. Yeah, I mean, he's a capable replacement, and you you can fill a void. At the very least, you hope to re-sign some of these guys and re-sign Tobias Harris and all of this. I, I would think that Philly does this just at the very least to bolster their bench. Yeah, I, I think that's a big thing. You get some more depth in there, more shooting. All of the pieces coming to you kind of fit what they're trying to do. I think that's important to you, particularly with how they're built. You don't want to just get guys back in that you know, you've got to pay that don't kind of fit what you're looking to do. And these guys do fit. So from this part of it, it makes a lot of sense. Also, as you and I were talking about before we started recording, is this tampering? Is <laughs> There's a, there's probably a little bit of tampering involved. There's probably this a little weird. bit of tampering involved with everything. Yes. Right? Like that, that's just, it's accepted throughout the league. Like, yeah, there's tampering and there's not much you can do. Although I did talk to Danny Ainge, uh, and, and asked him the question about tampering directly. The Celtics are on board with starting the free agency before the draft, uh, and, and, all of this stuff that's been happening, you just get it out of the way earlier. So, like, for example, the Celtics are going to lose Al Horford. There's probably some tampering involved there because he caught wind of a deal that's much bigger than anything the Celtics were going to offer and are willing to pay. So he's going to be out the door. The rumor for Horford is like four years, $100 million. I've heard $112 million. It's a lot of money for Al Horford. I love Al Horford. I'm one of his biggest fans. Uh, I think his game is amazing. But it's too much money for Al Horford. But how did he get wind of that? So, and and look, I'm not saying that the Celtics haven't done it, so I'm not sitting here crying foul or anything like this. <laughs> I was going to say. I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to make it sound like that. Like, I'm not sitting here saying, like, oh, woe is us. Like, I'm sure the Celtics have back-channeled their way into something before, too. So, like, th- there's... Everybody will deny it, but everybody does it. So, so here's the weird thing with, you know, go ahead. No, no, go. Okay. So here's the weird thing with the Jimmy Butler situation then. Why? So this, this relies on basically Jimmy Butler going back to Philly and going, my first choice is to go to Houston, but I have a really strong second choice, right? Cause it doesn't work without that because right. Philly, if they don't want to sign and trade him to Houston, just won't if he's got nowhere else to go. Yeah. And they're just going to be like, you can re-sign with us, and that's it, dude, and, and that's that. Is any other team, now that this is kind of out there, going to be comfortable being his second choice? I, I feel like I feel like other Some teams have team yeah. There's enough teams out there. There are enough teams out there that have the cap space that are, are willing to put this um, – to, to, to put an offer out to Jimmy Butler. Here, two things here. First, why would Jimmy Butler do this? Jimmy Butler has to be a little self-aware. He has to understand how many miles are on his legs. And even as confident as he is, he can get five years, 189 million, almost 190 million from the Sixers. And listening to like, uh, the Hoop Collective podcast and to listen to Jackie McMullen and a couple of other people say they, they are hearing that the Sixers will offer Jimmy Butler the full max. If you're Jimmy Butler in this situation, considering where you are in your career, 
wouldn't five years, the extra year and 8% raises be better for you than the Houston offer? That's the first question. So go ahead and answer that one. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a better deal because it's more money and everything. It's just if he doesn't want to be there, you know, I, I think it's not always about the money or even all about the winning sometimes. You know, guys just have different priorities, and maybe he looks at Houston and is like, that's kind of my ticket to winning an NBA title. I can almost guarantee you I know what your second point's going to be, but go ahead. Um, well, the second point's <laughs> going to be, does this make sense for Houston? Because it, 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 was that the guarantee? No, what I thought – are we going to talk about Harden and if like Jimmy Butler even wants to go and deal with that? that that's right. That's what I'm saying. Like, that, that's, yeah, yeah. So you were right. You're right. Like Jimmy Butler is <laughs> like he, he wants he wants the ball, right? And so, if the reports are anywhere near accurate, like okay, so maybe Chris Paul didn't ask for a trade, but Chris Paul is certainly not thrilled by James Harden's dribble, dribble, dribble isolation stuff. I mean, he isolate isolates more often than anybody, like a million times more often than anybody. The number's so ridiculous that it might as well be a million. Is Jimmy Butler gonna want to go play in that system? I don't I don't and, know that that fits. And he's not gonna be okay coming off the bench, we know that, even if it doesn't mean anything, which is probably what Houston would need to do. Also, Jimmy Butler just in a weird way seems like the most Houston player ever that they could be after. Like of all the dudes, this is the one they picked for his personality and all that just kind of fits. I don't know the whininess that they have there to me, which is probably going to get Houston fans screaming at me, but you kind of get what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, I think it's the wrong player. I think if they, if they go for anybody, they should go for Tobias Harris, who's a better shooter and more of a, Willing to take a lift, I think more of a secondary role, but I don't think that that Jimmy Butler's the right guy, personality-wise, fit-wise. Obviously, he's a very good player, but I don't know that that works. So I, I have serious doubts about this. I mean, from a sheer entertainment perspective, man, I would love to see what dropping a lip match like Jimmy Butler does to that situation with Chris <laughs> Paul and James Harden. You know that commercial where James Harden microwaves the metal in the in the thing and sets uh, Chris Paul's kitchen on fire? The State Farm commercial. Yeah, that's gonna be what this is. Like that, he might as well be Jimmy Butler setting the the thing on fire. Which he yeah, might. But it, that no, it's very true. That's kind of what I mean. It's just it seems like this is like the type of like does Houston want that almost? And it kind of feels like they just want the drama. So let's go after Jimmy Butler <laughs> because some stuff tends to follow him, which is not like a, a knock on him necessarily, I guess, but I don't know, some kind of like lightning rod type of player. But at the end of the day, does Jimmy Butler on that Houston team over Eric Gordon and Capella just raise the actual talent level? Like definitely, right? They're a better team Crazy. even if the pieces don't fit. You know what I don't like though? It takes away Capella. It takes away, who's their rim running big? They need, I think the part of the, what, what works is, Harden driving down the lane and being able to throw that little lob at the last second where it looks like he's going to lay it up, but instead it's a lob to Capella. Like he needs that rim runner to make him getting to the basket effective. I, I don't think I think you can defend him differently. Obviously, you're not going to stop him. He's an MVP candidate for a reason, but I don't like that it takes Clint Capella away. I think Capella and Harden just work well together. And they'd have to have a subsequent move to get him a rim running big. 
Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know. I think you can find those at, at times, but I definitely see what you're saying. It's just, I don't know. Like, we're trying to fault a team that wants to get Jimmy Butler on there, which it's such a good player. Like, maybe we shouldn't. But, yeah, you're right. They're also in a weird spot. Like, Houston has to strike a delicate balance here, and their window is probably greater than it has been. But it's also kind of teetering on the brink with issues with ownership and the front office maybe fighting and then the coaching staff stuff. Like, you know, like their margin for error, I think, is so low right now. So who knows how this is going to go. And it's funny that it's happening when the NBA just is wide open. Like, this is the time for Houston to strike and they're teetering on the edge. So we'll see what Houston does. Another team that's looking to add a guy that you question how his personality might fit, the Brooklyn Nets, Kyrie Irving. We're going to talk about that when we come back right here on the Locked On NBA podcast. While it was Kyrie Irving's going back to Boston, then it was Kyrie Irving would go back to Boston if they trade for Anthony Davis, then it's Kyrie Irving's going to New York, and then Kyrie Irving is going to Brooklyn. The the wheel has spun and now landed on Brooklyn, and now the reports have been, and Zach Lowe on Tuesday wrote a big piece in ESPN.com that highlighted Brooklyn's, I'm going to say trepidation, I don't know if that's the right word. Uh, that's a fair word. That's a fair word for it. For signing Kyrie Irving alone. And Woj and, and Lowe did a, a special on ESPN. And they've said, Woj has said a couple of times, Kyrie as the solo act is not the plan. But, and as we'll talk about with Kevin Durant in the next segment, Kevin Durant's not a lock for anywhere right now. There's, things have kind of gotten weird with Durant. And there exists a possibility. And for the first time in a long time, I've heard these guys now start talking about getting Kyrie and another max free agent that is not Kevin Durant. So I find it, Jake, extraordinarily interesting that in the course of a year that Kyrie and his situation in Boston, which I saw firsthand, has become something that is now a knock on him. I think for two reasons. And you tell me if you agree. One, the personality conflicts in that locker room seem to have been just too much for him to over to overcome. And two, he had an opportunity in that Milwaukee Bucks series. It's a situation that he asked for. He said, I want to be the guy on the big stage to lead my team to playoff wins. And in four straight games, he could barely hit a shot. And granted, he might have been defended heavily, but he still couldn't raise his game to win games for his team. And that's hurt his stock. And now, instead of Kyrie the star, it's Kyrie the 1A to someone else's option one. And Kyrie alone might be too much of a personality issue to take on. Okay, I see what you're saying. So it's kind of hypocritical in a way, I guess. Um, I, I don't know. It's interesting because he wanted out of the Cavaliers to go be the guy on a team, to be that point guard, to be the leader. 
And, you know, I, I think this is really the first time we've been able to see him do it, obviously not playing in the playoffs last year, you know, running into the Milwaukee Bucks, who basically had the best defense all year long and length at every position. I don't know. It's, it's fair to be like, he can't do this based off of one series when it's not relatively young in his career, but he hadn't been tested like that before. So you'd like to see how we would do the next time he runs into that situation. But now it looks like it's just, okay, peace. I'm out. So let me go to Brooklyn. And then they're going to look at it and be like, we don't trust you. And this just shows I, I'm like confusing myself as I speak, which shows you how like confusing free agency this is this year. Yeah, it really is. Um, but no, I mean, I think you can kind of see like, just any superstar by themselves on a team isn't going to lead you to a lot of wins. So I don't know if so much is I would, if I were Brooklyn, I'd be hesitant to bring in Kyrie by himself just because that's what I would be hesitant about doing for anybody. Look at what, like, you know, the Lakers did with LeBron this year. A lot of that was due to injury, but it didn't go well. So I don't know if it's so much Kyrie or just you always need to have these two or more of these guys on your team to really be a title contender. Yeah, but you you look at I think one thing that Kyrie did this past season was built himself up to say I'm on the level as same level as LeBron and Durant. Like he wants to be seen in that conversation. So, he's going to these All-Star games. He's he those are his friends. He won a championship with LeBron. Like he he legitimately feels that he's at that stratosphere. And what's happened is that whether he gets there or not, he's not there yet. And, and maybe he can't get there because he's, he's still young enough where he could figure something out if he's learned his lessons. Uh, and having different teammates could be what he needs, but I don't think teams see him as, oh man, if we, it's either sign Durant, Sign Kawhi or sign Kyrie. Like, I don't think they, they, they have Kyrie up at that level. It's no, and, and he shouldn't be at that Kawhi. level of those two guys. Like, you know, he's definitely below them, depending on how you want to tear it out. Does this also have to do with maybe like the desperation of the team? Like, would the Knicks sign Kyrie Irving by himself because they're the Knicks? And then Brooklyn's in a better spot. You know, they made the playoffs last year. They have some decent guys on that team. Uh, you know, guys who are like barely above six men at times, but they still have some decent players there. And they also have the fallback option in D'Angelo Russell. And that's the, the big thing. And that was the crux of Zach's piece. Uh, Kyrie at the max, which is just under 33 million versus D'Lo at the max, which is 27 million. And yep. what's, what's that difference in Six million dollars is, are you getting six million dollars more from Kyrie? How much more from Kyrie are you getting than you are you getting from D'Lo? And you take into account, obviously Kyrie's the better player, but you take into account D'Angelo Russell's been there. He's been there. He's, he's succeeded. He's, he knows these guys. They know him. It's not a culture shock. Bringing Kyrie in, there's a culture shock. And, you know, one thing that Kyrie does is he de-emphasizes the regular season. But Brad Stevens emphasizes the regular season. And the Brooklyn Nets emphasize the regular season. Like, that's all part of the process. And the culture change of 
a guy who's going to be cruising, a guy who's going to be saying in the middle of the season, like, it's not a big deal, wait till we get to the playoffs, is that the type of guy you want to lead your team because the team ends up taking the personality of that guy? So that's something that I think would give the Brooklyn Nets some pause and why they would need another star, obviously, not just because obviously more talent helps you win, but you need that other talent to to come in and, and counteract his vibe. Yeah, I, I I mean I get what you're saying. Yeah, I, and again I think it's even if you you bring back D'Angelo Russell, you still want to make a move for another guy too, and they've been clearing cap space for it. I think it's just you want to get as much talent in there. I don't know if it's so much Kyrie and kind of at times the weird personality. You know, you've got to wonder if how burnt out he was trying to lead those young guys over there in Boston too. And it seemed like he really learned some, some lessons there. And he might have to do that again with Brooklyn, who maybe in a way overachieved this season and might be kind of looking to have kind of that sophomore slump as that up and coming team too. So there's a lot of factors, you know, between D'Angelo Russell and Kyrie Irving. You're right. Kyrie is a better player. But their numbers this year were pretty close. You know, Kyrie's were a little bit better across the board. Are they $8 million better? I don't know. There's also the age difference. D'Angelo Russell's four years younger than Kyrie. That's a factor, too. Like, so many things in play. And now, you know, maybe Durant's not going to be in play, which we're going to talk about in a second. And it's just... Man, like, what, so let me ask you this. What's the first domino gotta be to fall in free agency for us to kind of get an idea of how things are gonna play out or, you know, that then kickstarts other teams making moves? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I, I think it might be Kyrie. It might be. Okay. Because, because, like, unless Kawhi goes to someplace surprising, like Kawhi's either going to Toronto or the Clippers, like that seems to be the feeling. Um, Durant, I think there's going to be some some discussion about Durant, um, and I don't think that he's going to make a decision right away. I, I I just I think that's going to need time to develop. So I feel like once Kyrie goes, then it's like him and Jimmy Butler, and then then everybody else can start filling in the blanks. I, I, I that that's just my take. I, it's so hard to say. Because I, I, normally the answer would be Kevin Durant, but I just don't right. know how to read the Kevin Durant thing. No, like I, in like I, you know, I'm still uncertain what Kawhi's gonna do. We kind of have no idea how this is gonna play out. No. And if you're these NBA teams trying to figure it out, and you know these front offices are going through scenarios like what we're talking about here, you know, do you then take do does Brooklyn then take the risk of signing? Kyrie? Kyrie Irving, not knowing how the Durant thing's going to play out, or does that get delayed as they wait for Durant? Because you're right, it should be him being the first domino, but everything is so weird right now. Yeah, it is. Why don't we get weirder? Why don't we take a break? Done. We haven't done that in a while. Oh, yeah. Let's get funky with it. I've got a plan for Kevin Durant that's going to get Kevin Durant to his preferred destination and still help the Warriors. It's going to be wild. It's coming up next on the Locked On NBA Podcast. So we just spent a few minutes talking about the Kevin Durant domino. You ready for this? 
Uh, look, I can't wait. <laughs> okay, so it starts with Brian Windhorst talking about the Warriors talking uh, to Kevin Durant about signing a five-year max contract. An idea that I love, and, and I think they should do it. And the plan now kicks in where they give him a year. They pay him for the year to rehab. It's an investment. Even though they're going to pay tax on it or whatever, they tell him, stick around for the year. You can rehab wherever you want to go. You don't even have to be here. But if you want to come use our facilities, absolutely. You're a member of the team. You can do anything you want. Okay. So he agrees, let's say. The Knicks and the Nets hold on to their cap space. However they play it. If the, if the Nets sign Kyrie, they gotta hold on to that max cap space. Which means either they, or if the Knicks are gonna do this, you know, the Knicks sign De- uh, like Mario Hazonia. Just give Mario Hazonia 20 million dollars for one year. And then, whatever. Just sign guys to ridiculous one year contracts so they can come off the books and you can clear the cap space for next season. Mm-hmm. The Warriors tell Durant, we'll facilitate a trade to wherever you want to go. Why this works is the team that gets him gets four years under contract of healthy Durant versus three. So you're locked into four years of healthy Durant. You don't have to pay him to sit a year out. You run the risk of him wanting to, wanting to stay, and of course the Warriors would hope to convince him to stay, but let's say for the sake of argument he leaves. Nick, Nick's Nets, wherever, we'll, we'll send you to that team. But what, what the, the Warriors get in exchange is a $40 million trade exception for trading him into their cap space. And then, what they now have is Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, all under contract, presumably with their new contracts, whatever, and a $40 million exception that they can now go around the league and start making trades and finding guys who are in situations that might want out, and then you start offering up draft picks and and absorbing guys into space. And you can start acquiring guys for nothing. That wasn't where I thought you were going to go with it, which is pretty interesting, actually. So basically, in a way, it creates $40 million of cap room for them that they just can't use in free agency. Right. You have to trade for a guy. But but if you have a free agent and you want to sign and trade that guy, if you can offer a team, much like the, the Jimmy Butler situation, if there's a guy that is definitely going to leave, and you say, well, we can give you draft picks or whatever players they might have, who knows what. We might have an asset for you. They, there's a possibility there. I mean, they, they could also use some of that space to take a salary dump, acquire some of these draft picks, flip the draft picks for a player that they actually want. I mean, it's just a tool that they have where they could go out and potentially get millions of dollars worth of players that wouldn't normally be available to them. Yeah, and like it's like a delayed signing trade in a weird way. And I know this idea has kind of been thrown out there where, you know, then you facilitate a trade to the Knicks and then you get something from the Knicks back. But you're saying just do it and get the trade exception basically. And then use that to kind of figure out what you want to do, which is an intriguing option on it. And I'm like kind of formulating this through in my head. You're not decimating the team that he's going to. 
You're not no. saying you're not saying give us all. You're not going to the Knicks and say give us R.J. Barrett and give us all that stuff. You're you're just getting that trade exception and you're turning around now. At that point, I don't know who the players are, and it could it could end up you could end up wasting some of it, like not getting forty million dollars worth of players. Yeah, which is likely. That's you, you know trade exceptions expire all the time, but you give yourself a tool. You're not losing him for nothing. You're you're losing him for the potential of other. Who knows? Who knows what other players might be available at that time? A lot, yeah, a lot yeah. happens. Over yeah, so it's a tree because so one the first thing that jumps to my mind with this is you know the, the trade exception is good, but you don't see those used all that often in actual deals. Now we don't usually see them as large as this, but we've seen twenty million dollar trade exceptions before, and it doesn't really do those teams a whole lot of good. I don't think. Um, Unless I'm just missing certain deals, and I'm probably missing a few, but it just doesn't happen that often. And if you're a rival team, you're you're only going to give them guys you're looking to just dump salary on, right? So that's like the issue. If if they go and like, hey, we want to trade for this guy, they're going to be like, why why would we just basically give this player to you who's valuable to us? Right. I mean, they're not going to be, but they could do something like on a draft night. Yeah, they could do like the Pacers just got TJ Warren for nothing. Yeah, so they'd be in a position to pick up a player like that. Now, on his own, TJ Warren is okay, but we've seen okay players go to the Warriors around those guys, and all of a sudden, with all that extra space, become better than they actually are. You know what I mean? Their their powers are enhanced by a certain percentage. So they would put themselves in a position. By doing that now, let's say July, whatever, mid-July, they, they do this. Well, by next draft, they'll still have that trade exception because you get it for one year. And mm-hmm. there's always a salary dump. There's always something. There's always, there's, it happens every year. And it's not always the, this guy sucks salary dump. It's, this is a guy that we, just don't find useful anymore, but he's still okay. And he needs to change the scenery and you could take a flyer and I'm going to say Josh Jackson, not because him specifically, because he's turned out to be a total piece of crap, but a guy who maybe is having troubles in that vein that isn't getting babies high allegedly, but that type of player that's like, you know, he's just not panning out. We're going to, we'll take him off your hands and all we'll, it, it costs you nothing. Teams teams will be willing to do that all the time. Milwaukee, with Ursan Ilyasova and George Hill, right now, would do that trade. Here you go. Yeah. You'd you'd be looking at teams who don't want to attach a future first or a future second or a good young player to do a salary dump. Like, you and I were talking earlier, like, the Pelicans could be ripe for teams dumping bad contracts on them. But to do that... You're going to need to attach a first round pick, say, to Steven Adams if OKC wants to get rid of him and just right. drop his salary because you're basically renting the Pelicans cap space for that first round pick. But given where the Warriors would be so far over the cap, their lack of moves they can make, lack of future assets, I guess they could give away. Would OKC, rather than attaching that future first round pick, just be like, screw it. We'll just send Steven Adams there. We won't take anything back and his salary's gone and we still have our first round pick saved. Yeah. You could do something like that because now the Warriors, they don't need that. You're, you're actually acquiring a useful yep. guy, but the, the Thunder, maybe they, they think twice about giving them to the Warriors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, they're in a tax example, situation. Yeah. You want to save tax money? There you go. You're just positioning yourself 
to take advantage of something. And with a, a trade exception that big, you can do it. You can do it more than once. So that's my wild idea. I'm sure, I'm sure there, there are downsides to that, but we'll see. Tell me what you think. Hit me up on Twitter. I'm Reds Army underscore John on Twitter. Of course, I'm your, one of your regular Wednesday hosts. I co-host the Lockdown Celtics podcast, uh, and I cover the Celtics for MassLive.com. And I'm Jake Madison, host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast, and you can find me on Twitter at Nola Jake. Subscribe. We're back. There's another Locked On podcast show tomorrow. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you can get that in your feed immediately. Do that. Catch you next time here on the Locked On NBA podcast.